all dressed up with nowhere to go. I was all dressed up with nowhere to go, and seldom do you find a day in law school where you don't have readings, papers, or project deadlines hanging over your head. I had a meeting scheduled with a professor who I'd never met before, and I was preparing to ask him to do me a favor, but he canceled. He canceled after I was already on my way. Now, normally that wouldn't be a big deal, but I live quite a ways from campus, and I took the time to style my hair, put on makeup, and brave the day in business attire. Knowing I had this meeting, I cleared the entire day in advance and made sure all of the work for the week was done. I was almost to campus when the meeting was canceled, and in some hazy state of mind, I decided to drive right past the law school, get onto the highway, and head south. After about 45 minutes, I realized the number of exits off the highway remaining before entering Mexico was getting slim. So I exited at the next off-ramp and found myself on a very narrow, windy, and rough single-lane back road that curved through a wildlife preserve. It was a rainy day. The storm was on its way out, and only intermittent drizzly patches remained. And I had never been this far into southern Arizona, but I just kept driving. I saw roadrunners and deer and even a coyote, which if I was superstitious would have been a sign something bad was going to happen. See, in Native American culture, a coyote crossing in front of your car is a bad omen. This was around noon, the middle of the day, and there it was. Like I said, good thing I'm not superstitious because the two remedies I know to counteract the bad luck is to pull over and wait for another car to pass before you go which was not going to happen in the middle of nowhere, or dust yourself with corn pollen, which isn't exactly a staple I keep in my car. So I carried on and passed more wildlife and flocks of deer. But the one thing I encountered more than deer was Border Patrol. I grew up in Southern California, not far from the border, but I'm used to Border Patrol. In the town I live in, we have a full-scale border check that crosses all lanes of the one freeway that goes through town. Agents are my neighbors, and our kids are friends, and I see border patrol all over the place. But I've never seen anything like this. There were a few small roadblocks set up, but the guys were off to the side, trying to stay dry under some makeshift awnings of easy-up covered in military camo netting, and just waved me through. Once I realized how strong the presence was, I started counting the number of trucks and SUVs and off-road vehicles I was passing. It was definitely more than 50. And I finally got to a check where I was asked to stop. I answered the usual questions. Where are you coming from? Where are you going to? What are you doing out here? I told the agent how my meeting was canceled, and so I hit the road to find an adventure. He started getting a little suspicious, and I could feel it, and the questions changed. Now it was, are you sure you're by yourself? Roll down your windows so I can clear your back seat. What did you see on your drive? How far did you go? I went into very specific detail, including where I saw the deer, but he clearly wasn't convinced I was telling the truth. He asked me to detail exactly what the deer looked like, including guessing their age and size, and from a San Diego girl, that's not the easiest thing to do. I don't exactly have a lot of experience. He had this strange way of holding onto my door frame in the window opening. He would squeeze the door with his hands, and he kept patting his hands along the top of my door panel. 
it reminded me instantly of when my husband has to hang something on the wall at home, like a shelf or a picture frame. He runs his hands back and forth on the wall, knocking with his fist, looking for a spot that has a different sound. That is where the drywall has something behind it, like a stud, something sturdy to nail or screw onto to hold up the decoration. So with the tapping along my car, his way of looking for a spot where there's something behind it, did he think my door panels were storing drugs? After some time at this stop, he just straight up asked me if I had been coming from a town called Sasby. I had seen that on my navigation. I knew it was a border town, and I knew he was trying to get me to admit I was coming from Mexico, but I wasn't. And at some point, he gave up and let me continue on my way. But before I took off, I asked him about the number of patrol units I passed and why the presence was so heavy. I mean, maybe this is normal after all. He said that traffickers think patrol gets lazy on rainy days, so they increase their presence to deter activity and to disprove the theory. After all of his grilling, I didn't bother telling him that the theory may be right after all, considering none of the other stations were even stopping cars. After that stop, I think it hit me. What the hell am I doing out on these roads? By myself, little phone service, no food or water in the car, and only a cardigan sweater to keep me warm. But to top it off, my car was low on battery, and according to navigation, there was not a car charging station anywhere nearby, and no one knew where I was. So I made a beeline back to the highway. But first, the bad luck from the coyote would strike. I mean, that is if I believed in superstitions. To get back to the highway, I found myself at a T in the road. The Tahana Austin Reservation on my west and the San Xavier Reservation on my right, the east. I made a right-hand turn to head towards the 19, and as I was accelerating to get to 55, what I thought was the speed limit, a state trooper passed me going the opposite direction. He flipped a quick U-turn and hit the light. I was getting pulled over. I'll be honest, I wasn't really sure why. He approached my window, and I knew from the moment I rolled it down and said hello, I wasn't getting a ticket. Why? How was I so sure? It was the look of relief on his face. And next, because he didn't ask me the standard question of, do you know why I pulled you over? You know, the go-to question. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I get pulled over often, and all honesty, I haven't had a ticket in nearly 10 years, and it was almost 10 years before that one, but I know the drill. He simply said I was speeding, and I said, okay. I mean, I know not to argue, and besides, I'm sure I just missed a sign. But he quickly jumped to questions different from what I was expecting, like, why on earth was I out there, surrounded by the res? Because according to him, people like me don't belong there. He had little to go off of to determine I shouldn't be near the reservation except my physical appearance. I knew at that moment he saw me as white, generic, vanilla, non-threatening, middle-aged, married, white lady. And to him, those types of ladies don't belong on the reservation. I knew from his demeanor I was in the clear, no ticket for me. There is this concept of white guilt, and I could feel it creep in, but here's the ironic thing. I have fair skin. I, I get it. But I'm Native American. I am an enrolled member of a federally recognized tribe. 
My family lives on the res. I worked in tribal government on the res. And I couldn't hold that in, so I told him. Of course, he didn't believe me because of I don't look like them, and I wasn't acting like them, and, well, the ones he has to deal with. I told him I was a law school student studying Indian law, and he just couldn't even believe such a thing existed. I mean, in his words, why do they have their own law? What is there even to learn about? What could you even do with that? And then you'll have to work with them. The expression people use, blood starting to boil, would have been fairly accurate of how I was feeling at the moment. Some part of me just wanted to keep the conversation going. I felt like he would just keep saying ignorant stuff if I let him. And he did. He told me how one time he saw a suspicious black kid and blacks don't belong on the reservation, so he stopped him. Meanwhile, the kid was just walking alongside the highway bouncing a basketball. Clearly, this officer has never heard of the Cherokee freedman, but I was not about to school him. So it turns out the kid was recruited to play competitive basketball with the kids on the reservation. But he didn't have anywhere to live nearby, so he would have to take the bus from the city as far as it would go and walk the rest of the way a few miles to get to practice. So there we were on the side of the road for 45 minutes. He's been a peace officer in southern Arizona for 28 years. He's divorced, his son works as a, as a medic in Phoenix, and I learned all of this before he even asked to see my ID or vehicle paperwork. And even when he did ask for my ID, he didn't ask for registration or insurance. I told him I would get it out, which I did, and I handed it over, and clearly he didn't even look at it. It was my old insurance card, expired, although in my defense, the policy is still active. I just hadn't printed the new card, and my driver's license was in the back seat in a bag, and I asked permission to reach for it, and I offered to roll down my window so he could watch me, since my tent is pretty dark, and he said, oh, don't worry about it. Just grab it. I'm not concerned. I gave him a California license, even though I have Arizona plates on my car. Eventually, he took it back to run it. In all honesty, I don't think he would have asked for anything if a second student didn't pull up to see what was going on and why we had been there so long. After those painfully awkward minutes, waiting for him to run my ID, he returned and handed it back. He said, turns out you're not wanted by anyone but your family. Gave me a smile, a head nod, and told me I could go. I was free to go. No ticket. And why? Because I wasn't black. Because I wasn't one of those Indians. I was ticket free because I was white. That is discretionary authority.